Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Billy, for reading God's word for us this morning. This morning, as we come to this text, I it feels a little bit uh, like it feels like when I when I do a, a wedding. You're like, well, how does elders and a wedding have to do with each other? When I do a wedding, uh, I often do a message in the middle of the wedding, and I'll tell people I've got this message to share. But actually, it's for these two people that are standing up here with me. Uh, it's not for the rest of you, but you can all just listen in. Uh, and usually I have a you know, 10, 15-minute message about marriage uh, from Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we'll talk about that, and everybody else is watching in. And so this kind of feels like that for me a little bit, because right here at the outset, uh, Peter says, I exhort the elders among you. And you're probably like, okay, uh, he's not talking to me. Uh, why didn't we go out on the boat this morning? Oh, it's because there's too much wind. That's why we're not on the boat this morning. I could have been there. No, we have to remember when we come across things in the scripture that maybe don't immediately apply, it is still God's word. Obviously, this applies to the elders or applies to those who might aspire to be an elder. Uh, So I guess I could have lined our elders up right here in the front row and just talked to them. That might have been a little awkward. But yet, this has application for all of us. And we have to remember, Peter wrote this letter. If you just kind of want to hold your finger in the Bible and flip back to the very beginning of the letter... Peter, it says, wrote this letter to these people. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So this was a letter written to all the believers in all these places. He didn't just write it to the leaders of those churches. He wrote it to all the believers So the expectation here is, as Peter shares these words, though he does have specific things that he wants the elders to hear, he's expecting that everyone is going to hear these things. Because we need to be biblically informed about everything that we do. Unfortunately, we live in a day when far too many famous church leaders have based their leadership style on business models rather than the Bible. 
And oftentimes the focus of leadership has been on gifting or growth rather than on character and on caring for the flock of God. And so we're going to be biblically informed as a church. We also just don't skip over texts in the Bible just because it's here. Oh, maybe we'll just skip to the four or five verses down and move on. No, we're not going to skip over it. We're going to address it. So let's talk about elders uh, this morning and what God would have for us uh, to have leaders in the church. So just a little bit background about elders. In the New Testament, uh, local churches were organized under the leadership of elders. And as you read your Bible, there are some different words that are used that are kind of interchangeable. So in, in scripture, the word elder or the word bishop, maybe you've seen the word overseer or pastor, they all refer to the same office that's held. And as we think about that, almost all the references using the word elder are plural. It's not meant to be an elder or a pastor, someone who's in charge, and it's just that individual. It's meant to be a plurality of elders. Because even as Peter shares this, he says, I exhort the elders among you. It's plural. So that no one man, no one individual should be the leader of a local church. It should be about because it should be a, a group of men because they have multitude of giftings that will complement one another uh, as well as challenge one another. And none of us is, uh, has the gift and we must work that out with fear and trembling. So just that's a little bit of background of how uh, we see eldership in scripture, kind of where we see it and the fact that it should be in plurality. Now, let's look at what are the qualities that an elder should have. So we're going to look at five personal qualities of an elder. The first, uh, and, but remember that, that Peter is sharing these as a fellow elder. So at the beginning of the letter, we learned, you know, he's an apostle. He could be sharing this like, do this, I'm the apostle. No, he's sharing this because he realizes though he was gifted as an apostle and he suffered as an apostle, he was a fellow elder. He was a part of the flock as much as he was called to lead the flock. So he's addressing them based on his profound personal experience with Jesus. So that's the first quality we want to look for as we are selecting an elder or look for in the elders, that they would have a vital relationship with Jesus. Look here, Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Peter saw the life of Christ. Peter was there at the transfiguration when he heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son with, with whom I am well pleased. Peter saw Jesus go to the cross. Peter experienced the despondency and the despair that Jesus had died and was waiting in the upper room with the other apostles and other disciples. And Peter encountered the risen 
Christ and it transformed him from being kind of a snot-nosed, zealous disciple who always seemed to want to get ahead of what Jesus was doing to be one who was humble and teachable and, and transformed, ready to serve the saints. So he had a relationship with Christ. He was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He was a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So he had a vital relationship with Jesus. And that vital relationship was what made him effective. So when we look to have elders or when we uh, want to encourage elders, we want to encourage them to have a vital relationship with God because that's what makes them effective. Not gifting, not status, not what kind of job they have, but do they have a vital relationship with Jesus? Are they cultivating that relationship? Are they abiding in Christ? That's what we want to do. I feel that responsibility as I interact with the elders. When I interact with them, when I ask how they're doing, I want to make sure that they're abiding in Christ and meeting the Lord. And if they're not meeting the Lord, I want to pray with them and encourage them because we can't, we can't lead out of, out of nothing. We have to lead out of the overflow of our time with the Lord. And this certainly has application to any area of leadership. If you're a small group leader in our church, you can't just lead because you've given some questions to lead a discussion. It needs to come out of the overflow of your time with the Lord. Or if you are ministering in the community or sharing Christ with your neighbors, that's got to come as an overflow of encountering Christ. That's why abiding in Christ is so important to us. That's why it's the top of our discipleship process. We want to abide in Christ. So elders need to have a vital relationship with Christ. They definitely need to pay attention to themselves first. Acts 20 verse 28 says this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. An elder, those in leadership, should be exercising their duties, carrying out their leadership with a loving concern for God's people. Because even as you look around the room, the people here are those for whom Christ died. This isn't an audience. This isn't just a people to call you pastor or elder. These are those for whom Christ died. And that should have such an effect on those who are called to lead that they should have care for God's sheep, have a loving concern for God's sheep. Because look at verse two. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The word shepherd there means like overseer. When you think about shepherds, oftentimes we don't think about shepherds unless we're reading the account of Jesus' birth. Because, right, the shepherds are the one that, you know, saw the angel, followed the star. They go, they bring the gifts. That's when we talk about shepherds. But shepherds are such a picture of Christ, who was the good shepherd. Remember, shepherds, they did a lot of stuff. They led their flock. They fed their flock. They protected their flock. They rescued their flock. When they would go astray, they cared for particular needs. And those things are, are attributes that should flow out of those who are in leadership. And that's what we should expect. That's what we want to do. That's what we're charged with. 
We're called, as we have loving concern for the sheep, we're called to lead. So it's not like, oh, well, I've got a position of authority, so I'm just going to go. We're going to do this thing. But no, oversight, leading means watching over, caring. Because shepherds, though they're called to lead, they're also among. Again, look back at the text. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So shepherds are both among, but then they're called to exercise oversight. They're not just up here or they're not just down here. Now, sometimes some people try to emphasize the among relationship, which is absolutely right. But it, and emphasizing the among relationship, well, well, pastors, shepherds, elders, they're, they're, not, they're not any different than the flock. No, before God, we're not any different. Jesus is the good shepherd. But sometimes they de-emphasize the fact that elders are called to lead to the point where they don't want to listen to anybody. They don't, they, no, it's just me and Jesus. I'm going to do my own thing. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's kind of this unhealthy reality that sometimes that churches will elevate a pastor or leaders and put them on a pedestal and make them some kind of super saint and they're untouchable. And unfortunately, that can lead to not having accountability and waywardness and having too much control. Both of those things are wrong. Because the elder, he's called to exercise oversight, but he's, he's also among the flock. We're called to lead, which means we're called to feed the flock. If you keep your finger there in the Bible, if you want to flip over to John 21, you don't have to. I'm going to read here. But this is what Peter was charged with. So remember, the one we're hearing from talking about elders, he was charged by the good shepherd. So it says in verse 15 of John 21, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. It's an important call. Jesus was making sure that Peter knew this is what I'm calling you to do. The leader feeds because we're called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which can also be translated pastors, uh, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. The elder's job isn't to do all the ministry in the church. Again, why would we do equip you? Because that's what we're called to do, is equip you. Why do we do this every Sunday? Is so that you can be equipped to go and do the work of the ministry. It's not the elder or the pastor that does all the work. Certainly, do I do works of ministry? Do I have the opportunity to serve, to go visit people? Yes, I absolutely do. But if I'm not equipping you, then the church is me. It's not this whole body. 
And so you should expect to be taught. You should expect to be fed when you go to a local church. Or if God were to call you to move someplace else, you should go to a place that opens the word of God and teaches the word of God because you need to be fed the word of God to be healthy in your walk with God. So there's leading, feeding, protecting. Paul said in Acts 20, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after him. Therefore, be alert. The elders are called to guard doctrine in the church, to be aware that there, when there are rising tides in the culture where Satan has spoken lies and we want to speak to those things, when we're going through God's word, making sure we make those connections and we want to protect the flock because the good shepherd, he laid down his life for the sheep and we look to the good shepherd. Remember when we were studying John 10, we talked about what shepherds do. When uh, we put the sheep in the pen at night, there's a gate uh, that keeps other things out, wolves and everything else. And oftentimes the good shepherd or the shepherds would lay down across that gate so that when wolves would come, the good shepherd would be there to protect the flock. And so that's the call. That's what we should expect of our elders, that they'll protect. Oftentimes, shepherds are called to rescue the flock because sometimes sheep would wander off. And so sometimes folks in the church struggling with their walk with God or they're walking through a trial or they're experiencing deep, dark places and there's a time where we need to go after and go after the flock. Jesus told a parable in Luke. He said, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that was lost until he finds it? Obviously, this is speaking of Jesus how Jesus, when we wandered off, when we didn't want to follow him, we wandered off and he came after us. He pursued us. He drew us by his Holy Spirit so that we would repent and that we would believe in him. Even if you're here this morning as we talk about Christ, if you've not trusted in Christ, it's my prayer that the Spirit of God is working on you and that you would know that the Good Shepherd Jesus has been pursuing you and he wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to trust in him. And you can do that today. So the Good Shepherd, he pursues and we follow the Good Shepherd as elders to pursue the flock and and part of loving is also caring for particular needs. Remember, Jesus, he, he preached to the masses, but then he, he took time with Nicodemus. He preached to the masses, but yet he took specific time with the woman at the well. In the New Testament, sometimes the shepherd needed to carry the sheep in his arms next to his heart. At the end of each day, the shepherd would examine each sheep to see if there were areas that needed special attention. If there were bruises, they would apply healing oil and they would remove briars that got attached to their wool. 
We have a burden as elders. We carry you on our hearts. Part of our conversations when we gather, when we talk on the phone is how is so-and-so doing? How are folks doing in this particular small group? Because we know there are needs that are there and we wanna make sure that they're cared for. We don't feel like we have to be the ones that meet all of the needs because so many of you are caring for the saints. I mean, it's even happening right now. There's folks that have needs and you're meeting those needs. Not all the ministry goes through that, but yet we feel a burden to make sure that's happening. I've heard too many stories from family members who've been in their local church. And when they walk through trial, I ask, well, where was your small group in when you walked through that time? Or I'll, I'll just, well, did your, did your pastor know or did the, did the elders know? And, and, and their story would, would be that they were alone. And I'm grieved because I don't want that to be the experience of folks in our faith family. I have to guard my heart not to be self-righteous towards the leadership of the church that they're a part of. But when that happens, I said, this should not be. If elders are carrying out what God has called them to carrying out, and ultimately that's to have a loving concern for God's sheep. All right, I've covered a lot of details and, and we're not done yet. And I know some of you are like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm taking all this in. It's, it's important. This is what you should come to expect. This wasn't my experience growing up in church. Frankly, I didn't encounter elders who, who exemplified some of these qualities until, uh, I was, until after I was a Christian. Uh, but even, even after I was a Christian for a season, I kind of thought of elders as kind of like people on the executive board right? There's people who sit on this board and they, they make decisions. And sometimes we like those decisions. Sometimes we don't like those decisions. I don't really know anything about them. And, and that was just kind of what it was. We were part of a large church. And then I had the privilege of encountering some pastors. It doesn't matter what size church they're a part of that, that believed God's word and wanted to carry that out. And it changed the way that I looked at eldership. Help me to understand that the call is not a call to have a position. The call is a call to be an example. So that's the third attribute that we want to look at in an elders. They need to have a desire to be an example of Christ. And the reason I say have a desire to be an example, because uh, elders aren't perfect. Elders aren't perfect. If all the elders are here, a couple of the elders uh, in, our, in our faith family, they're gone for the weekend to be with their families. But if they're all here, they'd be like, amen. And elders aren't perfect, but we definitely aspire to be examples. And that's humbling. Because if you look at the text, you know, there's, there's a call here to shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And so that, that looks like something. That looks like leadership that's willing and not under compulsion. 
So it looks like someone who's leading, uh, not because they got to, but because they get to. It may look like a pastor who delights in what he's doing rather than it's just, just a job. I sadly have encountered some over the years who they're just clocking in. They're just punching the card. I'm doing the things. These are the things I need to do. But you can tell in their life the, most thing, the thing they're most excited about is the thing they're going to do when ministry stops. And I just want to walk up to them and I just want to shake them as hard as I can and say, don't you realize the privilege that you have? Because we are to be spirit-filled. We are to do this willingly. We willingly step into this role. That's why when elders walk through a process here, we want to make sure that they know in the process what is going to be required. That's why when we have uh, charged elders, when we've installed elders, I read this text because this is before God. We want to have a heart for God's people. Dr. George W. Truett was a pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas for nearly 50 years, 50 years shepherding at the same church. Often he was asked to accept other positions and he refused, saying, I have sought and found a pastor's heart. When a man has a pastor's heart, he loves the sheep and serves them because he wants to, not because he has to. So that's what we look for, the willing servant, not the servant that's looking for a position, but one who's looking to serve, someone who's already serving. And we want to do it eagerly, not for shameful gain. What shameful gain means is a disgraceful manner. And we even know from the qualifications for eldership in 1 Timothy and Titus, which says, you know, an elder needs to be someone that's not a lover of money. He must not be greedy for gain. Pastors aren't, are, are to serve for Christ, not for income or prestige. Christ's sheep should never be used for personal gain, ever. It's not an opportunity to have more contacts to help uh, my personal business. It's not an opportunity for me to simply have influence so people can call me the name elder. It's not so that I can have personal fulfillment. That's not the purpose. We should be eager to serve. Because Jesus said, rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest. He said this in Luke 22, and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it, it is not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. A hired hand works because he's paid for it. A true shepherd works because he eagerly loves the sheep. So it should look willing. It should look eager. It should look like being an example. So leadership in the local church should look categorically different than 
even what we see it out in the marketplace. Now, it won't look categorically different for uh, a company that's run by believers who's pursuing God with humility and servant leadership. But leadership in the church shouldn't look like domineering over. It shouldn't look like a, a distant group of individuals just making decisions and commanding and demanding. And sadly, in the church, domineering has been something that has been expected. And unfortunately, some of you may have experienced that. An example of this was something called the shepherding movement that some of you are uh, some of you are old enough to have maybe experienced it or heard about it. But in 1970, five pastors began teaching a doctrine of spiritual covering that required individual Christians to be submitted and accountable to a leader. The basic idea of the shepherding movement is one of submission to authority. The shepherding movement called for five leaders at the top of a global leadership pyramid. These men were responsible for one another's spiritual health and keeping each other on track by covenant relationships and mutual accountability. Beneath each of those five shepherds were five other people responsible for one another, but submitted to the authority of their shepherd, and so on down the line. Each of these groups of five was called a submission, and their devotion to their shepherds was absolute. No major decisions were made without first consulting with one's shepherd, whether it's with marriage or career choices or other things in their lives. That existed, and that's exactly not what is being talked about here. Jesus is the only good shepherd. Even though I'm talking about leadership and we have elders that do lead in our church, we must be absolutely clear. On the last day, you don't stand before me or any of the other elders or your small group leader or your parents or any other authority in your life. You will stand before one authority. The one who has the authority to judge, and his name is Jesus. You'll stand before the throne, not before men. And so as elders, we would be wrong to put ourselves in that place. So I just want to be clear about that. Yeah, we're called to lead and there's leadership structure and I think we should follow leadership structures that God calls leaders to lead and I think that's healthy, but we do not want to enter into that. Elders are under shepherds. We're not perfect. We are called to be examples, but we are under the good shepherd. And a, and a biblical elder knows that God's people are not his sheep. They're Christ's sheep. And the desire of an elder should be to help the sheep hear Christ's voice, not his voice. That's why oftentimes you might hear me say, you know, you might forget everything that I've shared. In fact, that might be better as long as you don't forget this. As long as you don't forget this word, because this is the word that you take home. This is the revealed word of God. 
It's my prayer that the words that I share help point you back to this word so that you can apply this word and hold it dearly in your heart. Because as we follow this shepherd, the good shepherd, he's the one that laid his life down so that you could have a relationship with God. So an elder is called to be an example, to not use their position domineering, but leading, caring, loving. Sometimes it means sharing hard things. It does. Sometimes it's going to mean sharing hard things. But we need to entrust the Holy Spirit to do the work. We need to have a motivation to please Jesus Christ alone. Look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The elder is not motivated to please himself. The elder is motivated to please God. Because if an elder is motivated to please himself, he's going to have much difficulty and disappointment in ministry. You're just going to. Because if you've ever had the opportunity to lead, maybe it's at work, maybe in your home, uh, not everybody gets excited about everything that you want them to do. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. When, when you're called to, to lead and you share something, not everyone goes, oh, I can't believe how amazing the wonderful things come out of your mouth they want to follow. It's because you're not God. You're not. And if you think that the things that you share that people should just follow, you're going to have difficulty in ministry, whether you're an elder or not. Because our goal is not for their worship. Our goal is to worship him and to know and, and hear his voice, not to hear from others saying, well done, to hear from him, well done. We are pursuing the unfading crown of glory that we'll receive. Not fame, not fortune, not acclaim in this life. Because here's the reality, friends. When we meet Jesus face to face, when we meet him face to face, we aren't going to be thinking about our personal glory. It's not going to be a temptation at that point in time. And it's my prayer that before we see Jesus face to face, that we have that kind of passion for his presence so that we can live our lives pursuing his glory, pursuing the well done and not be concerned about what others would think or say to us. And that should be displayed for us in the elders because we should have the motivation to please Christ alone. And fifthly, we should have humility. Elders should have humility. Look at verse five. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Yes, there's a call to subject yourself to the elders, but here's the thing for everyone. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Just reading that statement should humble us. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you want to uh, have grace from God, the very first place you can start is being humble, thinking less of yourself, thinking more of others. There's grace that's going to be poured out to you, and God's going to oppose the proud. And when elders are proud, when they don't heed to uh, 
those who are trying to bring truth to them. God does oppose them and God does bring the truth about and God does remove them from their place. So we want to be humble. And this humility was honestly first displayed for me by a pastor that I had in the Cleveland, Ohio area when we lived there about 20 years ago. This idea of humility and a pastor wasn't, uh, they weren't synonymous. In fact, I didn't know much about humility. It sounded like an interesting quality of somebody who was really timid and quiet. But one day I was at work and my pastor called me. That was not unusual. He called me from time to time, but he called me and said, "Uh, Jamie, I want to ask for your forgiveness. And I was kind of like, what? Like, what happened? We just were hanging out earlier in the week, like that weekend uh, at a church picnic, playing volleyball in his backyard and eating food. It was a lot of fun. Well, during that volleyball game, uh, he was playing and he got a little overzealous in the volleyball game. Some of you who hate sports have no idea what I'm talking about. But those of you who love sports, you understand. You can kind of get wrapped up in the game. He got wrapped up in the game, and his wife was on his team, and she wasn't quite as skilled a volleyball player as he was. And he said some things to her. I didn't actually hear them, but he said some things to her that weren't kind. And so he was calling me and said, Jamie, you are there. I'm calling everyone who was there to ask for their forgiveness. I've already gone to my wife and ask her forgiveness because I, I, I wasn't loving her. I wasn't being encouraging. I wasn't being an example. And, and I want to call you and ask for your forgiveness. Obviously, I, just, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I forgive you. And when I hung up the phone, I just sat there. I, that had never happened to me before. I'd never had a pastor that I would say pursued humility who was willing to admit that he was wrong. And it's affected me ever since. Like that's what it's supposed to look like. So I know we've looked at these qualifications. What are the implications for us broadly? Certainly, if ever you aspire to be an elder, you should humbly study this text. For those of us who are elders in our church, we are, I'm humbled just studying it afresh. But what are the implications for those of us who aren't elders or don't ever aspire to be one? Well, the first thing I want to say is pray for your leaders. After reading this, understand the responsibility that, that elders have in the church. So if we rightly understand how an elder should function, we should rightly understand the weight that they carry We're not talking about, uh, you know, financial statements in a company or or profit-making. We're talking about the people for whom Christ died. So Paul even says in 2 Thessalonians, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have the faith. So please pray. Don't just pray for the elders of our church. Pray for other leaders in our church. They've taken on the responsibility because they care for the flock. So pray to understand the responsibility that they have. 
Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. So they're keeping watch over your souls. No, obviously, again, submission is first to Christ. Submission to authority in the local church is not absolute. Submission should look like a symphony of, of leadership and followership and asking for input about where we're going and, and submission. It should look and it should not be demanded, uh, but given. It should look wonderful. But understand that if the elders have accepted this charge, they aren't going to sleep some nights when there are those that are going astray. They're going to be spending countless hours away from their families, whether it's on the phone or in person when someone's hurting. They're going to be the one that goes to the hospital at two in the morning to care. Know the burden they, they carry on their heart not just the emergencies that happen, but the growth of the saints. When we gather as elders to pray, we're like, God, would you lead us? We want uh, uh, to lead a, a faith family that is passionate for you, that's growing in you, that's making disciples. We don't want to be the center of the wheel. We want Jesus to be the center of the wheel, and we want to help the saints to be encouraged. We carry that burden on our hearts. It's what drives us to our knees and to pray. So understand that's the weight. And, and understand if you're in a small group, your small group leader carries that weight as they prepare for your small group meeting. They aren't just finding dates on the calendar and making sure you have snacks. They're praying for you. So understand their responsibility and point your leaders to Christ, both by your words and your actions. Point them to Christ. Leaders, leaders are held to a higher standard. I believe we should because we're called to be examples. But remember this, the leaders are held uh, not to a different standard, but they're, they're held to the standard because they're called to be examples. They're not held to a different standard. So you must go, well, they're not meeting the standard. We should rip them down. No, if, they're, if elders are called to be examples, they're called to be that which you are also called to be. So when elders are exhorted to serve, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering if they're given the opportunity to lead, but to be examples, if elders are called that way, uh, we could go to a number of places in Scripture where every believer is called to have the same kind of heart. Peter here is just saying, here, look, elders, I just want to draw this attention to you. Don't forget, you're called to be an example so that the sheep can go and do what you do. You're called to live holy as he's holy. As we've studied in this text, you're called to look to Christ. So be an encouragement to those who are in leadership. When you interact with your small group leader, thank them for how they serve. 
when they're struggling, walk with them. Like our elders, we're in various different small groups. We don't have like this special small group that we meet in. No, we're among the flock. So be an, be an encouragement. Those are some ways that you can apply this. And, and we know now, as we come to the end of this passage and this message, we have a picture. What does leadership in the church like look like? What, what should it look like? Not my preferences or not my past experience, but what does the Bible say? We want to endeavor to do that in our faith family. But the thing I want to leave with you most is not, now we know what elders look like. We need to remember the best example of what an elder is, is Jesus. Because Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one that laid his life down for the sheep. Jesus is the one that you're to follow with reckless abandon. Jesus is the one that you should love with everything that you are. Jesus is the one that you should be abiding in because he says that he's the vine and we're the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. As elders, we simply want you to abide in Christ. If we're doing our job you're focusing your life ever increasingly on Christ and giving it ever the more for Christ. So let's focus on Christ. It's him we look to because he's the one that suffered and he's the one that purchased for us a relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, I know as we study texts like this, it can be hard because it doesn't feel like there's immediate application for us. We can be tempted to be like, yeah, that pastor or that leader wasn't who they were supposed to be. And we can start to have a pity party for ourselves about past experiences we've had or current experiences we're having. Lord, Father, I ask that you help us to look to Christ that you've covered over that past and our new experience can be one that's more fruitful and that we can press into your word and, and walk out your word. But I pray, Lord, that you'd help us as a church. I pray, God, for the elders of our local church, that you'd strengthen them, that you'd help them as they are seeking your face to, to lead by example. Lord, would you protect them would you protect the other leaders in our faith family in a day in which our culture is having a rising tide to tear down any kind of leadership, even in the secular culture? Lord, would, would the church be the beacon of light to show that leadership can look different, submission can look different, and it looks different because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So help us to bring glory and honor and praise to the name of Jesus. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.